1: You're listening to the Dana and Parks Podcast on KMBZ.
0: Bam, bam.
2: What up? Here's an interesting story. The top 13, I don't know why they picked that number, top 13 boring tasks that Americans privately love doing. Boring tasks. That we actually love to do. But don't want to really admit it.
1: Ooh, it ain't going to the DMV. Um,
2: That that actually did not make the list. Is ironing on there? It is not, but laundry is at number four. 57% of Americans say privately,
1: I love doing laundry. (laughs) We call those people crazy. I love doing laundry. Are most of the things on this list uh, around, know, the domestic, kind of around the house, domestic, around the house kind of stuff? Okay, mm-hmm. uh,
2: sort sort of, yes, but not. Ex- you don't have to stay in the house to do them.
1: Dusting, vacuuming—is that on there?
2: Vacuuming is number five. Fifty-six percent of Americans say, Meh. "I love to vacuum." Grocery shopping—number one. That's vacuuming you. Vacuuming is oddly
3: satisfying.
2: I love to vacuum. Sixty-five uh, percent of Americans, and I would count myself in this group, love to go to the grocery store.
1: I love it. I can't stand that trip. You know I'm an Instacarter.
2: Now, here's one. I haven't done this in years. Um, Balance budgets. (laughs) Ugh. 62% of Americans say they love to just sit around and do nothing more than balance their budget. Do they also hate themselves? What? Those
1: are all of the people surveyed who were in accounting.
2: Yard work. I, I thought this would be much higher. I love yard work. I do, too. I love to go out and work in the yard. 36%.
1: You know they've done studies on digging in the dirt and there is a correlation a physical correlation between getting your hands in the dirt and the release of those happy dopamine chemicals in our brain really not raking huh. leaves not that kind of stuff we're talking about planting. We're talking about getting down in the dirt planting gardening that kind of stuff is good for your health
3: it's literal grounding yeah of the body now
2: here's here's the group of people that need their heads checked 32 percent of americans say they enjoy paying bills. <laughs> get out. They have nothing else to do? And um, and
1: 32% of Americans say they enjoy scheduling
2: appointments.
1: All right, off to Topeka we go. Uh, we don't cover a lot of stories out of Topeka, but I think this one is so big and could potentially have a large Kansas City angle as well. Um, so let's get to it. The Kansas City Star picked this up overnight. A hospital in Topeka, one of two, by the way, is one of the facilities across multiple states being forced to divert patients to other emergency rooms following a ransomware attack last week? Read that, that this attack was so big, Scott, whatever it did is forcing St. Francis to divert its patients to other places. Read that stroke patients, neurological patients, they are now all going to other healthcare systems. As we work to bring our systems back online, we will continue to evaluate our ability to safely care for critically ill patients in our ER. Quoting here from Debbie Cluck, a hospital spokeswoman, because this is rapidly changing and dependent upon a number of factors, we will continue to update our status as the situation changes.
2: Now, if this is the emergency room, is that what you said at St. Francis?
1: There are two hospitals in Topeka, St. Francis
2: and Stormont. right. So, But if this is affecting their emergency room, do I read that correctly? That's what it says. Okay, so we're not just talking about stroke
1: patients. We're talking about car accident victims. Anything like that. Gunshots. But but my guess is a town the size of Topeka, they have Stormont and St. Francis. Mm -hmm. You can't shove every single crisis that comes into Mm -hmm. one hospital. It would overwhelm Stormont. where are they being diverted to? Uh, Do we know? uh, A bunch of other sites, and my guess is right here in Kansas City.
2: Uh, Joining us on the KMZ Hotline is Brian Branner. Uh, president of Risk Analytics. Uh, Brian, good afternoon. Welcome. How are you? We're doing quite my, well. My thank favorite
1: you. friend to talk to when something like this happens. We know the system um, basically struck something called Ardent Health Services, which has a bunch of sites, not just the one in Topeka, Brian. What, yep. what is ransomware and what happened
4: here? Um, okay, well, I don't really know the exact details because they're pretty close to the best. But there's rumors floating around that um, maybe some credentials were... Uh, potentially found on the dark web that allowed uh, someone to access a VPN network and they got in from there and just kind of escalated. It's hard to say, and they don't really want to say, right? Um, But so surprising that we've got another cybersecurity event. So ransomware is really the hottest thing out there right now, if you will, for cyber events because you don't have to steal anything and then go put it on the dark web and sell it. All you got to do is lock somebody out of their house, if you will, so what happens is someone gets credentials or gets into the network, and they lock you out of it. That usually happens um, from some sort of social engineering, like a like a phishing attack. They get you to click on something you shouldn't have clicked on, um, or they get credentials that are out there on the on the dark web that uh, maybe never got changed and worked. Uh, and so once they get in, they you, you got to understand at a hospital everything is connected. All those X-ray machines, all those Uh, Uh, medical appliances. I mean, those are computers these days. Um, You know, they, you have to patch those and protect them just like you do at your computer at home. And the problem is it's not that just that they can lock you out and make them not work. There are cases where they've hacked blood spinners, MRI machines, X-ray machines to where they turn it up to where it can literally cause bodily harm.
1: Oh, God. And
4: the pro- the problem is, is you just right away, you don't know how bad it is. And with the whole element of bodily injury that could occur, you know, it's, it's best to just not test it and find out and move someone to a different hospital while they sort it out.
1: Brian, let me stop you right there. When you said someone, uh, it's possible that credentials were found and then sold on the dark web. You don't mean like the badge that someone swipes in to get into work. You mean their credentials to get into the computer system.
4: Correct. Yeah, yeah. Wow, and a lot of that stuff is it's it's out there and it, it happens from other breaches and people just don't change it and they use passwords the same and again I don't know that's in a, uh, emphatically that's how that happened but it's, that stuff's available it's really not that hard and it's quite I'm a little surprised it doesn't happen more often.
2: Now, if a hospital like a Saint Fran, by the way, I, I was just looking up a story. Thank you, Texter. Uh, this also happened this past week at Hillcrest Medical Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma they had a similar ransomware attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if the hospital system were to pay whatever the ransom would be, what would keep the attacker from just logging back in and saying thanks for the 2 million dollars or 3 million dollars, yeah. now we want two more million?
4: Uh you know, reputation really because if you do that it's not going to work. Don't don't uh, don't rock the process. This is working for them. Uh wow. So, yeah, I mean, as long as you pay these ransoms, they're they're pretty good. They're like, great, we'll, we'll get you back on, on track. Now, the option that the hospital has is saying, no, I'm not going to pay. Uh, maybe back up first. If you've got insurance for that, cyber insurance, it'll cover that. And so why, why wouldn't you just pay it and move on? But some people, from a principal perspective, or because they didn't insure that exposure, are going to fight it. And your option at that point is backups. So they back up their entire systems periodically, and you could say, okay, let's go back to last Tuesday, forget everything happened there, wipe it clean, uh, and we're going to go back to the backups that we had last Tuesday, and those should work. The problem is criminals are smart enough, and they will uh, – once they get inside, they sit and they wait, and they could wait for months. So even when you get to that backup, they're still in there. So you backed up, and, the, and the, the virus is still in there, and, and they, uh. they still have access. Um, look, they're a clever group uh, they, their reputation is now they pay. Otherwise this whole thing goes sideways and this cash cow goes away. So, uh, pay and you're probably just fine. And you're on your way. It's just expensive. You're going to fight it. You better hope your backups are right. Uh, there's a lot of organizations that try to go to backups and they think they could be back online in 24 hours and you find out it takes days and days. And, you know, now the longer you don't have patience, your transfer out. There's, there's a huge business income loss that, comes as a result of that.
1: Ryan, we've talked about these stories before and had you on the program before when it's school systems or cities or banking institutions that are being um, basically held hostage because these bad actors have their information and credentials. This is one of the first times I can remember where patient health could be placed at risk under a scenario like this, which now it makes total sense that they're diverting patients. They're not diverting patients because they can't log on and see, you know, uh, Marlene's chart. They're diverting because there is a possibility in some of these cases that you have seen that patient health could be at risk.
4: Every one of those machines you think of that provides some sort of health service, again, x-ray machines, MRI machines, that is a computer. So if someone's got that rooted, they can make it do whatever you want. It's kind of like, In the manufacturing facility, uh, same thing with maybe uh, turbines or or, or some sort of cooling element. Those things can be modified to literally cause property damage. And it's the same thing with health. So now you've got this element of not just stealing records or financial information, but creating bodily injury events or or property damage.
2: We hear about these things, Brian, from time to time, but but, but they're not incredibly common, or, or maybe they are, and we just don't hear about it. But if, if these hackers are so sophisticated, so intelligent, why don't they just hack every hospital across the United States?
4: Uh, you ever see Office Space, the whole thing about fractions of pennies? Yes, of don't course. Rock, don't rock the system, right? I mean, don't get greedy. <laughs> it's working.
2: That It's that simple.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I can't believe it doesn't happen more because when you see what actually how someone actually got in. You're like, oh, my gosh, that was so simple. And hospitals are kind of low-hanging fruit because if you think about how many different doctors and nurses and and medical providers maybe access a single point of entry, um, it's just kind of loosey-goosey. And a lot of times when you have these health networks, there are kind of roll-ups of lots lots of different um, health entities, and they all have different kinds of security. I call it everybody's got a different uh, Frankenstein network. And to make that whole network act as one and, and, and be secure as one is very, very, very difficult for IT professionals. It's hard.
2: Brian, do appreciate the time. Brian Branner, the president of Risk Analytics, thanks for joining us here on the program.
4: We'll catch you on the next one. Right. Thank you, thank okay. you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well,
1: yeah. When I call him, he goes, yep, <laughs> already read it. When do you want me to call in? But, Scott, this, yep. I don't want to say, I want to overstate this. But when we hear about hacks to systems like I don't know Macy's or even the bank, you're thinking, okay, but that's backed by the FDIC. If a city system gets hacked, like our court system in Kansas got hacked, okay, I can't log on and see when my case is going to be filed. That that disrupts lives. I get it. You start diverting patients from the ER, and if you have a stroke now, you can't go to this hospital in Topeka. Or you can't go to this hospital at all because the people who hacked into this theoretically could start messing with your MRI and your x-ray machines. And hurt
2: you. And hurt you. Right. That's what caught my attention. This is
1: a way bigger story than I think even we understood in the last 48 hours. Because name another time there's been a ransomware attack where it could cause bodily harm.
2: I can't name another time. 913-586-7798-586-7798. 7798, Sam Stevie, Dana Wright, my name is Scott Parks. Oh, we're in the final 24 hours of Coats for Kids 2023, and the need in this town is incredible. If you can help, please go to KMBZ.com, click on the Coats for Kids logo. That'll take you to a safe and secured website where you can make your donation. We wrap up this campaign tomorrow, so we really, really need your help. Or you can just text in KMBZ Coats, one word. KMBZ Coats to 44321. Thanks to Pinnacle Bank, longtime partners with us with Coats for Kids and in advance. Thank you.
1: Story comes to us from uh, Channel 9 today. They are offering a reward up to $150,000 for information about the attack of a postal carrier in Kansas City. The U.S. Postal Inspection Service says it is offering up to a $150,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of two suspects involved in robbing a mail carrier, Scott. It happened November 22nd in the 4500 block of Madison Avenue in Kansas City proper. Uh, The suspects are both guys, two black males dressed in black, wearing masks and gloves, uh, One of them armed with a handgun, hit the postal carrier, and then stole postal keys. And if you have any information, keys. you're supposed to contact the U.S. Postal Inspection Service or law enforcement.
3: Uh, 45th and Madison, by the way, is in the West Plaza area, Thank you. right around Plaza Liquor.
1: So clocked the postal carrier and then stole the keys. The keys to what?
3: Meaning the joint mailboxes in those apartment buildings, if I had to guess, because that's mainly apartments around
2: there. Okay.
3: Just, you, you got a gun here. Take all these letters.
2: I well, don't care.
1: I'm out. We have heard in the last couple of years there have been cases of theft where you send cash for graduation or you send checks and it's the holiday season. You send gift cards yes. and those cards never arrive. And think about it, Scott, half the time you wouldn't even know it didn't arrive. You would just not know that you were getting a gift from someone that had a gift card in it. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. they're not going to say, hey, did you get my gift card? Is this what this is, that they are going through mailboxes trying to look for cash and cards because it's the holidays? Theoretically, but you don't have to beat me for it. Just ask. Because normally when there's a robbery like this, they take the product in the back of the truck They don't take the keys. See, this is confusing to me. And
2: Sam, I haven't lived in an apartment in over 30 years. So you're going to have to explain this to me. The the keys are are to what?
3: So typically with an apartment building, there is a mail room inside the mail room, which uh, the mail room is often accessible to people on the outside without having a key to the building. So the postal carrier can get into that room. Okay. And so there will be one master key that opens a big door that opens all of the mailboxes with the one key turn.
2: Right, and you, and you load the mail in from behind. Yeah,
3: and then you close the big door, and then the residents open their particular door, get their mail Got out. It. So being in that area, the postal carrier probably had a series of keys for all of the buildings in the area, all of which being master keys mm-hmm. for those mail rooms.
1: So if you look this up, there are a lot of cases of USPS workers robbed of their postal keys. This <laughs> is this is out there. Now, wouldn't you just, never been a robber, so not sure how their brain works, but wouldn't you just assume that as soon as I take the keys, they're going to change the locks? One would think.
3: Well, and how are you going to return to said buildings to steal all the mail without them knowing that you are What if the they live thief? in the building,
1: Sam?
2: What if they don't?
3: Well, it'd be pretty dumb if you robbed a postal carrier right outside the building you live in. I don't know if you could pay me enough to be a postal carrier.
1: Uh, okay, this is from October uh, from CBS News. With mail theft and postal carrier robberies up, <laughs> law enforcement officials have made more than 600 arrests. This was since May, so May, June, July, August, six months, 600 arrests in a crackdown launch to address crime that includes carriers being accosted at gunpoint for their, quote, antiquated universal keys. And so how
2: do you solve that problem?
1: Criminals are both stealing mail and targeting carriers' so-called arrow keys to get access to mailboxes.
2: Telephone number here is they They're
1: universal in 2023?
2: Like If if I, if I use a key at this apartment complex... That's why they're stealing the keys, Scott. I can go next door to the next apartment building,
3: and the key works in, this, in a different lock? Text line said they're called arrow keys, and they will open any P.O. box.
1: Well, how about... Crazy idea here. Uh-oh. We make these things harder to get into. How about we don't use a universal key? Change uh,
2: so we don't use yes. arrow keys. We use yes. s- separate keys. For what does different- it say
1: to you? They made 600 arrests in a crackdown because of this specific crime. And am sure a, they were
3: making the key. If
1: you're a mail carrier, do you... Uh, exactly, Sam. Yeah. They're taking the key and then going and having it reproduced. Mm-hmm. If you're a mail carrier, are you now, like, hiding your keys?
3: But if they change all the locks to different keys. Now mail carriers are going to be the next janitor with a, you know, four inch diameter key ring and 750 keys fumbling. Oh shoot. Which one was this for? Oh, darn it. Oh, mm-hmm. my, oh my eight gosh. hour delivery days. Now 12 hours. Cause I'm looking for keys Listen
1: to this letter. Carriers are now on edge. Nearly 500 of them were robbed last year. Police say in one case, two people went up to a mail carrier to gas station and uh, started making small talk before demanding his arrow key.
2: Well, so they know. Scott, they know. 913-586-7798. I'm telling you, you could not pay me to be a postman.
1: So far, 6,500 of the keys have been replaced with electronic locks in select cities, and another 42,000 are set to be deployed to be changed.
2: Quick break. 913-586-7798. She's Dana Wright. My name is Scott Parks here on
0: KMVZ.
2: I mean, call me Captain Obvious, but I think I just solved this problem.
1: Yeah. Why not just... With a universal key? (laughs) It's not difficult. You stop (laughs) stop using universal keys. I mean, but
2: but we're even... We're still using, like, 1990s thinking here. We're using Uh, 1800s thinking, but uh, go ahead. No, no, no. With with the potential solution. Let's get different keys for different mailrooms. Why not... You can still have a universal key. It's just a digital key. There you go. So, So that if and when... God forbid somebody tries to rob the postman or woman of their universal key. If it's a digital key, once it's been stolen, they report it, you turn it off, it's no
3: longer usable. Yeah. Would you quit bringing logic into the
2: conversation? I'm sorry, Sam. I beg your
1: pardon. The Postal Service says it is in the process of replacing tens of thousands of universal keys. Don't think we should do that. With what? So far... 6,500 of them have been replaced with electronic locks in select cities, and another 42,000 are set to be changed. They won't say which cities. They also won't say how many arrow keys are in service. Uh, Louise in North Kansas City. Hello.
5: Hey, guys. I live in Kansas City, north of the river. Um, Sorry. We dropped a $5,000 charitable contribution to a fundraiser in the federal post office's at the bottom of the hill in our neighborhood where there was also shops and businesses and it was stolen out of the postal service mailbox wow and kited so the guy took it and washed it and put his personal name on it oh no electronically cashed it electronically through bank of america and so i went to the post office in north kent city which services our zip code and they said oh yeah they said those mailboxes that have the swing door that you can put packages in are so tamper easily tampered with. Yes. I guess they either use those long-handled grabber things or they use vacuums, lightweight vacuums, and they just take every single piece of mail and then they go through it and steal whatever's in it. And so I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Brookside who's a tax attorney, And she said she'd had like five clients in the past six months. The same thing happened at the Brookside mailbox that sits right in front of the post office in Brookside. And so we had to take it to claims through Bank of America. And they kind of gave us pushback on it. We were like, it's FDIC insured. You guys cashed a check that was, you know, not valid. But they said it's happening regularly. So the post office is now replacing those actual physical boxes with boxes that don't have a lever handle at all you can't fit a package in them how much was thinking that that's going to solve it how much was the check we don't know how many there are still left and i said why would you not replace one in front of an area where the businesses and the shops and restaurants are all dropping in that box it's not just a residential box
1: yeah and i'm so glad you brought this up louise hang on a second scott this is why they're doing this. They're not rifling through, I said, the gift cards. Yeah, <laughs> They're thrilled to have an Applebee's gift card. Don't get me wrong. Sure. They are looking for large item checks. Just what she said. They are looking for big checks. So that then you wash that. However they do that, I don't know. I'm not a criminal. Right. Put their own name on it. Right. There you go. That's what they're looking for. Do not mail large checks. That is what I get out of this whole thing. There are other ways to get somebody money. I would not be mailing a large check. Like think about this, Scott. Let's say you owe the IRS. Let's say you owe the IRS $9,000, okay? Well, but but you don't mail checks any. I mean, yeah, uh, yes you do. I can think of a couple instances we would absolutely mail a large check and the IRS the money that we owe is a big one. Even when I owe Well, no, I did write a check last year. Don't stick that thing in the mail, man. I'm telling you, don't do it. <laughs> Tell them you want to electronically transfer it.
2: I think I have done that in the past, but I do remember writing a check last year. And or if it's a local charity, drop the check off. Sure. 913-586-7798. 586-7798. Sean in Olathe. Sean, hello.
6: Hey, guys. How we doing? We're doing well. Thank you for asking. Hey, I've had six... Um, controlled substance prescription stolen from me since January of this last year this year. I, I'm glad uh, I'm, all I'm, by the post. Office.
2: I'm glad you brought this up uh, because I have been adamantly opposed to the idea of shipping prescriptions. I don't know, I don't know why they do it. I have done it.
6: Uh, I went with uh, They say it's for the convenience of the of the veteran or, or convenience of the patient. Um, but I would much rather... I mean, the VA is a different monster because you have to get it from a VA facility. So I either have to drive my butt from Alaysa all the way down to, you know, Van Bromp, where they are, or um, have a mailed. Mm-hmm. And I work. <laughs> you know, they close right as I close, so um, I do local delivery now and now they use UPS um, instead of slow mail and I've had success so but I have to type a police report get a police report every time it happens to get to my provider um, so that he can write a note in my chart otherwise it's gonna look like oh he's over prescribing so it's it's it's
2: a vicious vicious circle. Well. all right, Sean. Hey, man, do appreciate the call. I'm I'm sorry about the the theft that has occurred for you. Uh, but back to the previous caller before Sean. Did she say that that check was a five thousand dollar check to a, to a charity? Yes. A five thousand yes. dollar check. Yes. Wow. For somebody, a black tie dinner. Some somebody else had a great point. If you can wash the check to change the name couldn't you wash the check to change the amount now here, here's where you run the risk if they write the check for say five thousand dollars they have fifty one
1: hundred dollars in their account
2: right so you go and wash the amount off make it fifty five hundred if thieves
1: bounced. are looking for drug money okay yeah. they see a five thousand dollar check in a mailbox that is a payday they're not gonna oh. flirt with that and make it ten they're happy to have the five. Stop mailing large checks, people. Let's go to Dana in Grandview. Dana, hello.
5: Hi, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you for asking. It's very kind of you. Yeah. My dad had a check uh, washed on him. His was for $400. They erased his ink, replaced it for $5,000. They erased his ink for the payee and for the dollar amount and even the signature. And they were able to cash it at a Bank of America around St. Louis. And it cleared? Oh, yeah. yeah. His bank contacted him and said, hey, did you write a check for five grand? He's like, no. So they put a stop payment on it. And so Bank of America is responsible now for the money. And so they gave him, you know, made him whole with his money.
2: Dana, do appreciate the call. Thank you for it.
1: Uh, Can we just go back to the fact that the United States Postal Service is offering a $150,000 reward Mm -hmm. for information leading to the arrest of these two idiots that struck a local postal carrier and took his keys? Okay? All right. right. $150,000. I'm not saying this was not traumatic. Of course it was for the postal carrier. Oh, sure. We we offer twenty five thousand dollars for an arrest in a homicide mm-hmm. or information that just identifies a suspect in a homicide. Why do you think the United States Postal Service is offering a hundred and fifty thousand dollars for one case in Kansas City when there are thousands of these cases across the country? Because they cannot allow this to continue. There have been thousands of cases. <laughs> The reward's not going to stop the behavior. It's going to put these two idiots in jail, and I hope that it does. Well, uh, Dana, that's a fair point. $150,000 for a
2: quasi-public government agency.
1: I hope they catch the guys. But but these right. fat rewards to catch two low-level players in this scheme is not going to stop what's happening. They need a new approach when it comes to getting into the mailboxes.
2: Last word goes to Rudy in Independence. Rudy, good afternoon. Hi.
6: Good afternoon. Yeah, I'm a retired mailman, and they, redid, uh, they replaced those arrow keys one time before in the early 90s because of the same thing. The reason it's so expensive is because they have to change them uh, nationwide. So that's, that's the whole deal. It, what, what do you mean? A, what,
2: hang on, back up. What do you mean they would have to change them nationwide? Why?
6: Because uh, every, the arrow key works on every single apartment, gang box, in the country same key that i use in independence i use in uh, Hillsboro, oregon so, wow oh so the arrow yeah.
2: key. wait wait so the arrow key that these chumps got here in kansas city would open up a uh, communal mailbox in new york city new york
6: yes sir
1: oh wow which also thank rudy thank you which also says to me you can sell these keys on the black market for sure you know take what you want here from this apartment complex and mm. then go sell it online You don't ever have to return to to that apartment complex. To change their process here. And will that be expensive? I'm sure it would be. But as expensive as a $150,000 reward times thousands of cases? It's not changing anything?
2: 913-586-7798. Final 24 hours of Coats for Kids
1: 2023.
2: If you can help, we need your help. The the need in this town is incredible. And the weather's just going to get colder. And think about it. There are kids heading to the school bus stop without a coat in the winter. You can help us, please. You can help the children of Kansas City. Just go to KMBZ.com. Click on the Coats for Kids logo. That'll take you to a safe and secure website where you can make your donation if you would be so kind. Or you can just text in KMBZ Coats. That's one word KMBZ Coats to 44321. After our nondescript electric vehicle performance yesterday.
1: Oh, Man
2: To this very song. I may have listened to this song last night at home way more than I should have. But then there's this story from the New York Post. And this, this hurts my heart. Okay. Because we've had Barry Manilow on the show. Love him. He was one of our favorite guests. Barry Manilow seemed to have a holly jolly time performing Wednesday at Rockefeller Center's Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony. Despite the 80-year-old singer being caught up in the holiday spirit while singing All I Want for Christmas is You, and Because It's Christmas, there were Grinches on Twitter trolling his appearance.
1: No! Leave him alone!
2: Many were making fun of his tanned skin and his black turtleneck.
1: Oh, come on. With
2: one person asking, does Barry Manilow look like Martin Short in an SNL skit? And then, of course, there were those who said he had had too much work on his well, face. Well, he has
1: had some work done, but that's okay. He is an American treasure, and he will not be made fun of. Come on now.
2: Come uh, on. Somebody said somebody stretched Barry Manilow's face too
1: tight. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. Come on. Samuel. Can he smile still? He can't smile without you.
2: Oh, Mandy. No, I uh, can't smile without you is one of his songs. Oh, that okay. just flew
1: right. <laughs> that was such a gift that he teed up and then that was a swing and a miss. No, just swing and a miss. Didn't see that one go by. I I, I mean, I'm not a Can super, you man, smile super without fan. You.
3: Yeah. Sorry.
1: Uh, did you see Dolly Parton perform at the uh, Dallas game over the weekend?
3: In a cheerleader's uniform. In a
1: Dallas Cowboys cheerleader uniform. Hello. This is why I bring this up. People are making fun of Barry Manilow, who's either around her age or some, you know, not that much older than she is. She came out in a teeny tiny Dallas Cowboys outfit, rocked that stage, and everyone went nuts online for Dolly. The,
2: the greatest meme that I, the greatest meme I've seen. All week is a picture of Dolly Parton dressed up like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, and the meme says "actual Dallas Cowboys cheerleader." Last time they won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, my gosh. baby! Leave <laughs> her alone. I love them
1: both.
2: Uh, Henry Kissinger died overnight. That, Did you see that? yeah, uh, former U.S. Secretary of State during the uh, Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford administrations who was said to be one of the most influential and controversial foreign policy framers in post-war U.S. history, has died at the age of 100. Uh, He was extremely active, even in his advanced age, uh, having even recently, I believe in June, gone to China, where he met with the premier in China uh, in June. Um, The news was confirmed by Kissinger's consulting company, Uh, Last night, quote, Dr. Henry Kissinger, a respected American scholar and statesman, died today at his home in Connecticut. He will be interred at a private family service, and there will be a memorial service at a later date in New York City. Uh, The first president that he ever advised was JFK. The last president he ever advised was Joe Biden. Wow. He advised them all, from JFK to Joe Biden. Cristiano Ronaldo has been hit with a class action lawsuit, seeking $1 billion in damages for his role in promoting cryptocurrency-related NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Can we
1: come up with another name for those, please? I don't even know what they are. They're non-fungible. can tell you that. What does that even mean? What is fungible? If those are non-fungible. What's a token? I don't know, Scott. We listen to Barry Manilow and Dolly Parton. Well, we did. I, we don't know what I, NFT I did. Means. I was listening to
3: Barry Manilow last night. Hey, you guys making fun of me over here,
2: <laughs> Sam? I, I, to this day, and I know we've talked about NFTs in the past. What is an NFT? Can I hold it in my hand? Uh, no, no, it is a file, in effect. So it, it's not a token. No, this is one well, of those
1: dumb things that if you wanted to buy the original painting of that monkey holding a whatever it was holding for two million dollars. You get the file that gives you the original artwork for that, and now it's worth like six dollars.
3: And non fungible literally means cannot be recreated.
1: Well, well I disagree. It well, can't how, be can recreated. It, how can it not be? Because rec- it's original. What they're saying is it would like it would be like you. Oh, buying the Mona Lisa and then somebody yes, or me a, or the original recording of Prince recording uh, Purple Rain. I see.
2: The original, and then somebody just selling me the CD. The master versus a CD. I version. don't yeah.
1: understand why any of it is popular, and and in the case of that stupid artwork, none of that's worth squat anymore.
3: It's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay.
1: Was. Well,
3: it still is worth whatever somebody's willing to pay.
1: Yeah, it's six dollars. It's a whole lot less
3: than it was before. <laughs> <laughs> where, where does one view I, an I, NFT?
1: I paid two million for it, and you are willing to pay me six dollars. Uh, it's I'm something
3: the, that you put on a hard drive, and you know. Show it off to your friends. Kind of so like when you stupid. spend $4 million on a baseball card, what do you do? You put it in a box with lights around it and say, look, I have money.
1: But that's a physical, that's a, physical, you, you can that's hold a it. fungible thing. That's well, why no, I don't fungible like, doesn't mean that you can t- touch it. Whatever, Sam. I need a new word. <laughs> fungible, <laughs> means fungible means refungible. With a baseball card, you have a physical something that I give you money for, right. and then you give me a physical thing. It Not fungible, tangible. Thank you, sir. That's the word we're looking for. I want something I can touch.
3: By definition, fungible is replaceable by another identical item.
1: Well, we need to replace the word for fungible.
3: (laughs) means you cannot. It is the original only. You are paying for the first version. You are paying for the hand-painted Mona Lisa, not the print. To quote Dana, that's dumb. Tell it to the people who made millions off of it.
2: Break for the news here on
0: Dana and Parks.
1: Thanks for listening to the Dana and Parks podcast. Remember, you can catch us online anytime at kmbz.com.